Welcome back to System Ministrivia. This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Peyton. So we uh, we were in a scramble because we're recording a day early today. And normally I do topics on the Tuesday before the Wednesday we record. And then Jathan fucked it everything up for us. Yeah, I always fuck everything up. <laughs> always. Next, next time we'll just cut you out of the episode again. Oh my god. Okay, well first of all, thank you both for agreeing to record a day early. Thank you. Uh, this sort of acknowledging that. Should I just uh, continue with my spiel now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not really going to be satisfied until you commit Harry Curry, mm-hmm. but sure, keep going. Uh, Cuckoo. Th- the reason that we're recording early is because I'm hanging out with some friends tomorrow that I don't get to see very often. And the reason that's significant is because I am going to be moving sometime in the next two to three weeks. Uh, so. And why Why is that, Jason? <laughs> yeah, uh... So last week I flew out to California and interviewed with Apple in Cupertino and I was offered a site reliability engineering position with them that will start, it's looking like June 16th now, pretty soon after y'all listen to this. I wasn't looking or anything, I was really happy where I was at. They found me on LinkedIn, they really like my skill set because I do have some DevOps experience and I've got programming experience. But I've also got some what they would call ops experience. I will give Brent an article or two to link to in the show notes that explain what an SRE is and what they do and why the skills I just talked about are pretty important. And you can sort of form your own opinion. I would I would hope that most of our listeners know what it is already. Yeah. Well, you don't need a link to an art. I mean, if you link it to me, I'll, I'll put it Well, in, I found but... one that I really like. It's a good explanation that I've been giving to people who don't know what it is, and they seem to get it. Okay. Well, so site reliability engineers, I'll just give you like the one sentence spiel here. Uh, basically, make sure shit is up and accessible and consistent. Well, we should... How's that? We should just How's say for a congratulations to Jathan. Uh, yeah, con- congrats, of course. Yeah. Yes, well, uh, I am a little nervous because they didn't really mention the podcast in the interview or anything. It's not on my resume, but it is on my LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the past, we have featured Apple in several ways. <laughs> um, look, well, let me put it this way. Yeah, Jason and I talked about this, and I was like, look, I'm not, I'm not changing how we do things. So, like, I don't give a shit if they fuck up. We're still reporting on it. I don't care if they're your employer or not. Because if, like, if any of our companies fucked up, I would hope we would have the integrity to report on it. Well, I think we're almost required to. You know, I mean, we're you know, we're, we're we're reporting stuff. We're talking about it. We're we're required to. You know. Well, that's yeah. That's what What's I mean by integrity. Though? What's different though? Yes. Is you know? Well, I know you work at Foxy Proxy Payton. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know the name off the top of my head of the company you work for. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. If if they they made some kind of error, would it really make the headlines? And don't, uh, don't yeah. I mean, Payton's company. And look, look. In this age, if it's a like, if it's a, a big deal, yeah. Well, in either case, it it makes me a little nervous. I'm not gonna lie. So far, I haven't signed uh, any NDAs or anything, but I'm sure there's plenty of them coming my way. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Jaytan. I mean, I mean, you know, obviously we support you in this decision as much as we can. However, mm. if they do have another, you know, debacle where where the fapping happens, and they will, or, they will. You know, they, they leave an iPhone at a bar. I mean, there's not really a lot that is gonna. You can't come to us and say you guys can't report on this. This is, you know, if it's something mm. that we read about in the news, you gonna, can stay quiet. Yeah. You can stay quiet during the sure. Segment. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and and I do want to Apple. Anybody at Apple who is listening, uh, especially if you're in charge of Jaython's <laughs> employment status, I do. 
want to very clearly stress that right on our site, we do have a disclaimer that all of these opinions are of our own. Mm -hmm. They're not representative of the companies we work for, the organizations we're associated with, all of that. These are strictly three guys getting together, shooting the shit while drinking beer or rum or whatever or vodka. Right. Yeah. It's not it's not meant as any sort of political or or public stance. It's it's our stance. Yeah. And, and, you know, realistically, whenever we report on something, we provide a link to where we found Mm -hmm. it in the first place. As long Mm -hmm. as that link isn't, uh, you know, oh, Jathan told us or whatever. I'm pretty sure we're going to be okay. But, of course, yeah. as I go through the process of filling in all my paperwork and everything, if anything pops up, that'll just be that, and I'll have to deal with it when that happens, if that happens. Yeah. Well, just don't leave your um, demo copy of the next iPhone in a bar somewhere, and you'll be good to go, buddy. Okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, right. You didn't you didn't mention what, uh, what division you're doing SRE for. I... Can't? Can I? I don't know. Can you? I don't know because I haven't signed any papers yet. Well, all right, we'll we'll hold off on yeah, that. But I I can't I can't see any reason why that would cause issue. Yeah, yeah me neither. But yeah, I mean it's going to be a wild ride. I will be living in the Sacramento area for a while. So if any of you are from there and you'd like to be my first friend in a new place, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? You're fucking like my. Is this your MySpace all of a sudden? Your friendster? This is my Tumblr. Just posting pictures of me it being basically, emo. It basically is your Tumblr at this that point. That was yeah. sad cringe of all sad cringes, man. No, uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. mean it to be sad. I just mean I'm moving, all right, all I'm right, moving right, somewhere guys. I don't know anybody. If right, we let's... have a listener there anyway, and they like the sound of my voice, um, or the things I say, which is probably pretty likely, then we should go get a beer. Really? All right, whatever. Let's talk about what we're drinking right now. Um, I am drinking, actually, right now. Um, I am drinking a PBR because I'm fasting and PBR. rum would be a very bad idea. Um, but yeah, I'm drinking a PBR as I have in the past. I'm sure I have links to the, <laughs> if you don't know what PBR <laughs> is, you're, you're in poor shape, yeah. but yeah. what about y'all? Um, I am just finishing off a Colorado native lager. Then I have a bunch of beer left over for my graduation festivities and most of it's Miller Lite. So I'll be drinking one of those as well. Cool, buddy. Cool. I, I, well, it's better than PBR, at least. I, of course... Uh, that's a highly subjective statement. Nah, what, what are you drinking? I don't know. It's it's kind of watery a little bit, no matter what yeah. it is. You know? I have the Buckeye Vodka, of course. I'm still finishing off this bottle. Mm-hmm. It's going to take me a while. Probably, you know, a few more episodes. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be hitting that room for a couple more episodes, too. Yeah. I'm only, like, halfway into it. Really? I thought you had drunk... <laughs> I, it is a large bottle, and I was swigging it, and I still have half a bottle left. So, wow. yeah. Hey, wow. Uh, special shout out to the tech steward as well for graduation from an undisclosed person. I got a bottle of Lagavulin, which is a scotch that I really like. I know he's not a big fan, but I do know he likes scotch, and even though I already told him... Um, I know he will appreciate the shout out because Scotch. that's because he's that's because he's your one person fan club. Yeah, I think you know he's what? the only person that likes you that actually likes you. Everyone <laughs> I else wish he like... and I were doing this show. Why? Uh, I still because you he'd shit be nice to me too. No, uh, he he would. Oh wait, wait, wait. No. He and you? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like back in season zero when it was just you and me. Because I gave oh. you shit then too. No, 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 no. Well, no, I know that. I, I think part of the reason Peyton and I give you shit is because we're we're accustomed to you now and we know how infuriating you are behind 
the curtain. If he dealt with oh you gosh. for even five minutes on like a podcast of any sort, he'd, oh, he'd be giving he'd y'all kinds of shit. Absolutely, man. No, he would. Yes, he would. He's a reasonable yes, human being. The text story, exactly. You have to, you'll have to settle this, <laughs> this debate for us uh, in the RC oh, channel. Oh, gosh. All right. Anyways, so tonight for discussion, we're <laughs> going to be talking. Idiots. Would you quiet? Tonight for discussion, we're going to be talking about the history of uh, Unix and Linux and, and, you know, variants thereof and, and similes and so on and so forth. We'll be talking about closed source software in uh, particularly like business environments. <laughs> we're going to be talking about some CentOS 7 decisions, specifically in regards to file systems. And we'll also be talking about the PROC file system and relatedly the sys file system since PROC's kind of a... Uh, old school at this point i think but yeah so let's let's move into it right with the news Peyton. all right this is paid with the news okay uh well jathan stole my first story which is hey he's an apple he's a hipster apple employee we're proud and ashamed of our boy Woohoo! you're gonna turn into a tumbler you know yeah wait wait can i just say something can't i don't know can you no it's Peyton's segment keep going Peyton. so we have our first our first story is all the way from microsoft land uh, there seems to be an issue with high CPU usage when user mm. is in the name of the account. This is affecting Win 8.1. Uh, it like, heard doesn't any even make any sense, which makes it so funny. Uh, obviously, the fix is to not put user in your name. Obviously. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, I, I missed that because Jason was talking right over yeah. you. Does it affect Windows 10, too? I have not heard of any issues with Windows 10, but I can certainly look deeper into it and find out. Well, any brave souls out there using Windows 10, if you want to try it and let us know. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the obvious thing here is, is why are you putting user in your name? Kind of dumb. Uh, let's see. Second story for tonight. The MS, the Microsoft story, I mean, is uh, mm. Microsoft is planning to kill Windows Live Mail permanently. Hey, this should have been done a long time ago, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And our third yeah. Microsoft story of the evening, and by far the most atrocious. Microsoft has been accused of pulling a Windows 10 upgrade track. So, in a bold move for Microsoft, they're going the malware route now. They're using the Essential Updates window to have people update to Win 10. But, if you click the red X in the upper right-hand corner, like most people do in Windows, it does the upgrade anyway! This is malware, plain and simple. What do you guys think? Do you think that was an intentional design choice, or do you oh, think yeah. someone just fucked a- up really bad? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, I think it's pretty intentional. I think it's definitely intentional. I think that. So, is there is there a way to actually opt out? Is there like a no thanks button that you actually? Yeah, you have to minimize it and keep it minimized forever. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that there's a that there is a button, but most people you, you've seen Windows. I gotta hit the Windows X. Users, yeah. hit the X on everything, and yeah. uh, even a malware. And you know, malware sometimes malware you hit the X, it doesn't actually close it. It just you know it's a new. Well, you mostly see that on on like web page pop ups, yeah, right. not so much right. like OS level Windows, but yeah, well, yeah. Well. But now apparently Windows took a hint from web page pop-ups. And... It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays out for them. <laughs> and our final story for the evening. We have a warning from the FBI that USB phone chargers might contain keyloggers. Hey, guys, you're about five years too late. Really? Really? Come on, guys. Well, I'd say, I'd say look, more than that. I, yeah. I would Can say I ask a too, question but, about yeah. that? What? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. What, what were you going to say? No, 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 I'm, I'm talking to Jathan. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it for comedic purposes. What were you going to say earlier, first off? Well, that was miles ago. Yeah. Um, and miles? I was just going to say... You mean minutes? No, I mean miles. <laughs> okay. We're running while we record. You guys aren't running? 
No. Oh, shit. What, what, do you think we have a standing desk and, like, hooked up to a Dude, I have a camelback on with Miller Lightning. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love to... The noise, trying to cut the noise out of that would be atrocious, but I would love to hear you do that for one whole episode sometime. I'll get a, a USB... Or a, a Bluetooth mic and I'll record from, from Mumble on my phone. We have to do that! Oh, Jesus Christ. Um... All right, what were you going to say? So what I was going to say when Payton mentioned me being a quote-unquote hipster Apple Inc. employee, it it seems very interesting to see the the differences in YouTube's reaction to the career move, if you will. Why is that? Because, well, Payton seems like very gung-ho about it, and you've been Mm kind of quiet and reserved, which, you know, in the back of your mind, I don't know if you're thinking like, he can't do it, or he shouldn't do it, or I just hate Apple, or... Well, it's, um... Do you have mixed feelings? Did you shed any tears? I'll, I'll... There there are two things there. One, it's your fucking life, so I'm not really gonna give any sort of ultimatum, but I am gonna give you warnings, which I have. And primarily that warning is gonna be that it most likely will not be what you expect. Well, what I'm doing now isn't what I expected, but I love it. Right, and I'm saying you might not love working at Apple, even though it's it's one of the, what, like the big five or big three or whatever, you know what I mean? Well, I fully acknowledge that, but how do you ever really know if you're going to love a job before you take it? That's true. That's true. You, you can go by reputation. There's sites like Glassdoor that'll give you, uh, like... I've done a lot of glass ratings. dooring, and people <laughs> seem to love this opportunity. Okay, well, you know, like, like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's your fucking life. I would never take the job. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. But, but different but that that's, way. That's the difference, I right. think, though, between you two, is that Jake Dunn is very much a diehard Apple guy. He, he, likes, his, oh he likes his Mac. And you are... It's literally the only Apple product I own. You are the antithesis of being an Apple guy. Like, like if someone gave you an Apple device, you'd probably, you know, use it for target practice or something, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I haven't even been shooting before, but I'd love to learn on an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of fun. But, uh, Jathan, the reason why that I feel like I'm a little more gung-ho than than Brent does is because, if you remember, when you came to us about this, I said, look, it's probably going to be, it's going to be a very good opportunity for you. It's going to teach you a lot. It's going to get open doors for you that you normally wouldn't have if you didn't have this job. And so my whole thing is that because you got this job, I think you're in a much better place than if you were still at your current position, you know, like, right. And, and you know, I'm trying to just be open-minded. It's not like, as you should be, I, I don't, as you I just be. don't know. For so sure. I mm-hmm. feel like to pass up the opportunity would be silly. Absolutely. Yeah, it would be silly. Well, but that's from a certain perspective, but that's, you know, like right. I'm, I'm of the, like, I'm of the point where I, I can't even take a job at a company I disagree with on ethical grounds. Even if it's a different department, because it's it's you're still a voice for that company. Um, sure, and they speak for you at that point as well. Yeah. So I I I think I I have a really high sort of value system based on integrity. But this isn't this isn't like psych administrivia. This is sys administrivia. Yeah. So so the point is, you know. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Right. I mean, we don't. That's my. We point. don't control your life as long as you could come on mm-hmm. and record with us. On a regular basis, then yep. you know well, that's all that matters. That's all that really I'm matters. I'm just a voice now. You are. You've always just been a just suave a voice. man voice. <laughs> I don't know about suave. <sighs> yeah, yeah. We might want to. <laughs> you might want to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might get so, sick now. So, 
the other <laughs> the other news thing that I wanted to ask about right mm-hmm. was the key loggers and phone chargers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, do you take someone's random USB phone charger and plug it into your computer? Oh hell no, I uh, don't. No. Yeah. So when does that become an issue? The problem is that you and I don't, but other people out there do. And, and uh, it's out there. There's um. But like someone you don't know, what are you in a, an airport and someone's like, oh, could I plug into your laptop? No, no, no. So here's the thing. So like, I don't understand yeah, the scenario in which this becomes an issue. That's all. There's uh, all right. How many how many times do you see someone being like, hey, can I borrow your iPhone charger? How many times yeah, do you hear that phrase? Yeah. With strangers. Right. No, 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 no. I see it. No, no, no. I see it more often than I am comfortable with, which is zero. The only time I've seen it with a stranger is in a bar. Okay. Like. Oh sure, but that's still like... that's still an open. Who has a bartender for a charger? Usually, ask um, the other patrons. Anyways, the, even more so than that mm-hmm. is like this shit's been going on for years. You know how airports now have like the the quote unquote charging terminals where yes. they have where they even have like a specific port that's USB, so you don't even need to use the the AC adapter mm-hmm. part. Yes. Okay, and do you know what card skimming is? Yeah. Okay, take the concept of card skimming and apply it to that charge port. Yep. And that's been done. That's already been done before. So you keylog what's on their phone? Mm-hmm. Or not necessarily keylog even. Like, you can just implant malware that'll uh, automatically install if they have the, uh, oh, fuck, what's it called? MFC, I think. If they have that yeah. uh, enabled. MPT? What? M. What uh, am I thinking media of? Transfer, oh, media transfer. MTP. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. MTP. Thank you. Yeah. So you're talking um, about Android now. Well, it's it's for well, it's for well, both iPhones devices. can do it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I iPhones, whatever. However, Android or Android, but iPhone has taken the step of your phone has to be unlocked for it to actually communicate with the connected computer. However, what the issue is is that it's actually in the charger itself. It's in the brick, not in a computer. In Android, you can you can configure to do that as well. I have mine set up that way, right. but right. that's beside the point because how many people do you think are using their iPhone during this, that, and how oh, like oh, you know yeah, like there's there's so many problems with this, and there's so many attack vectors that are opened by just using strange random ports. That's why you always want to use an AC adapter with an actual AC outlet if you're going to be charging in strange places, and always use your own. Yeah. Always bring your own. Have your own. Yeah. Bring your I own. Honestly, I honestly can't say I've thought of that much. There is a USB condom or something like that where it only allows... So is it like a diode? It only allows... Yeah, yeah. it only yeah. allows the, the charge to get through. It doesn't allow any data transfer. That's, yeah. that's um, very interesting because there is a separate or separate pins for data mm-hmm. versus versus. Yeah, they AC use different channels. So or... it is totally possible with my vaporizer, I... It, it came with a charger that only transfers power because it's, it's a fucking vaporizer. It doesn't need a right. data channel, right. you know? Right. Um, so I usually carry that with me and use that for charging in strange places if it's like an absolute emergency. Yeah. We get it. Dude, we you should make it. a programmable vape. I mean, they're out there. You know, sort of. I mean, they're from... settings. Let's make, let's make a vape that runs on Linux. <laughs> Throw let's a make... Linux kernel on a vape. You just said it backwards, though. What? Let's make a vape that can run Linux. You said let's make a vape that can run on Linux. That's the same thing. That's yeah, that's the same. No, what? That's the same thing. Running a vape on Linux. That's like you know you pop out your CD drive and all of a sudden it's vaping at you. What? You said no. let's run. No, 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 no. <laughs> what you're thinking of is running a vape on x86 hardware. I said let's let's make a vape that runs on Linux. This implying is him, this is him being silly that again. the firmware would be Linux. Oh, whatever. Okay. 
Oh my gosh, they found. We gotta just move on. No more vape. <sighs> Don't vape. Vaping is bad. What? <laughs> Don't you fucking start. <sighs> it got me to quit. Look, it got me to quit smoking. It's not all that bad. Oh, but you didn't quit alone. vaping yet. No, I didn't. Well, but but see, here's the thing. Decrease vaping is actually not bad for you. It's really it's just water and like some some minor chemicals. It doesn't. Uh, no, have it's, the... no, 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 no. It's vegetable oil and uh, propyl glycine. Sure, glycine, propylene glycol, and sure. vegetable glycerin. So so yes. it's not tar. And it's not carcinogens, and it's not all mm-hmm. the bad, terrible shit. It's it's a couple. That's not necessarily true. Okay, well... The only studies they've found so far that cause any sort of issue is you have to be vaping a fuck ton, and you have to use El Cheapo e-cigarettes that have, like, really bad shit added into them for the flavoring. Yeah, okay, so... I don't buy dis- bad shit. Let me disclaim for half a second. Okay. Stop battering. Okay. This battery. is like emotional battery 101 here. You guys are beating <laughs> me. Oh, look, what can you do, you know? First of all, I occasionally vape. Like, I mean, you guys know I smoke a pipe, and occasionally right. I just get this, like, inkling, like, I want to go out, but it's raining, it's windy, whatever. Okay, so I just sit and vape for a while, and, you know, my nicotine craving goes away. And I do think that vaping is probably better than cigarettes, but I just don't think that there's enough long-term studies to prove yet that it's, like, you know, completely harmless. Right, and I'm not saying it's it's not completely harmless, I'm not saying it is. And I will agree with you that there's not enough studies done, but I will say that it's absolutely safer than cigarettes. I would say that's probably a very safe bet. Every like simply by the delivery system alone. I'd be curious to see like what percentage of systems administrators smoke or or use tobacco or vape products. or whatever. Yeah, and and let me get this out right there. I really hate calling it vaping, but it's like what else do you call it? Using a vaporizer, which is I'm using what, like my... five six syllables. So <laughs> I'm using my e-cigarette while I'm sitting at my desk because well, it's I don't I don't have any I don't have an e-cigarette. I have an, a vaporizer. <laughs> I have a mod. So it's not. It's not even can accurate. I, can but I just, yes, can I just tell we you should guys, take a. I, we should take a selfie together. Welcome and everyone and to we can vape administrivia. <laughs> this is Brent. Can I just tell you guys? That I'm I think, vaping. I think that smoking is just absolutely terrible. Uh, I'm really glad that you know you guys have gotten away from smoking. Yeah. So you know, hey, whatever. Well, I I never smoked. That's good. Regularly, yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah, might I mean, still I, pick up a pipe every once in a while, especially like during like in the middle of the winter or like on a on a porch in the summer, but it's gonna be a lot less than yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's, let's move while, on like, to the fucking show. Yeah, let's shall move we? on to the okay. show. Right. Fucking vaping one oh one here. Did we address your concerns about the keylogger thing? Yeah, no, I, I understand the concern. I more so just didn't understand the, like like when that would occur, I guess. Oh, like, like how I don't delivers, walk around yeah. and ask people for their phone charger. Honestly. But a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think about people often. <laughs> I I know. Anyways. <laughs> let's uh let's just move right into the history of, of Nick's like systems. Oh god, yes. Now I've been doing okay. some reading on this and I mm-hmm. am I'm impressed, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of legacy behind our our variant, I guess. Sixty yeah. freaking nine. Uh, even a little bit earlier, yeah, technically, yeah. but Pre- yeah, yeah. The first iteration that we really had of it. I mean, outside mm-hmm. of the uh, Multix was the Unix UNICS. And, yes, uh, Pro- Unix proper. Yeah. yeah, the Unix Unix proper was in sixty nine, and I I think that's awesome. Of course, I can't be too proud of something that came from LT- AT T Bell Labs, but you know it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you don't like Bell Labs? 
uh, AT&T. Well, back then it was Bell Labs. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it was it AT&T was... Bell Labs. And I'm, right, you know. right, right, right. They they did some, some really cool stuff. They did. They like, did. I'm, I'm okay with Bell Labs. Like, the whole yeah. AT&T monopoly, that oh, was yeah. bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But Bell Labs, like, that's that's maybe the one case, the one strong case we have for disbanding anti-monopoly law is because we actually saw some really good things come of Bell Labs and then the anti the antitrust case came up and that was just obliterated and we've seen nothing new from AT&T or really anything in the telecom and, and uh, that sort of research yeah. industry. You I, know, we haven't seen anything like what Bell Labs was producing since. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I mean, I'm glad that they were broken up because they were mm-hmm. becoming a monopoly. However, yeah. I don't. They did do a lot of good. They, yeah. they did. Yeah. yeah, they did more harm. They did more good than I think is is being noticed here. What's um, really important to note about them is they gave us something that's lasting, if not in you know actual source, which mm-hmm. we do probably still retain some of their source. Um, yeah. No, none. No, not at this point, probably. No, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Somewhere deep inside, it, um, might, it might be in BSD, but it's it's most likely not in Linux now. But in I, either case, what they did give us that's really important is a philosophy, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's the most notable thing for us to think about today. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, Multex kind of like it set the bar, and then we just moved from there, and 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 it's we've seen astounding things come from that. Relatedly, Bell Labs did have another OS in like the 90s that they were working on called Plan 9 from Outer Space. And it had a really cool idea. Like literally everything was like, you know how in Linux we say, you know, everything's a file. Yeah. In in Plan 9, literally everything is a file, like network sockets, everything, everything. It was really cool, but it's it's pretty much dead now. Mm -hmm. So it is open source, though. So if somebody wants to fork it and try and get it up to speed, well, I, that'd be awesome. I think we have to do a shout out here to Ken Thompson and Dennis Ritchie. You know, I mean, they're yeah. the, they're the they're the authors, the pioneers of this, and absolute geniuses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we just talked about these people. We talked about a few different derivatives of Unix by name, but I was hoping one of you could actually just very briefly give us a sort of overview, like what happened when, what came first, chicken or the egg? So in, in 69, there was Multix, right? Yeah. And then 70, it, it there was well, a project you have to, based on that. You have to go over the, the MIT and General yes. Electric thing first, right? With Multix. MIT, Bell Labs, and General mm. Electric were working together on that. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, so they were working on main, like everything's mainframe at this point in history, right? Because this is the mid You just had mainframe and like, yeah, yeah, dumb, or late 60s, yeah. Uh, yeah, mainframes and then dumb terminals. Um, right. So that's, that's you know, they were looking for ways to properly create true and, and balanced multi-user environments. Um, because, and we're starting to move back into that now with, like, cloud computing and all that yeah, bullshit. But, yeah. Anyways, so they they really worked on, on doing a lot of work there and creating a really robust system with Multix. For the time, I should say, because now it's... It's not robust in comparison at all, but for the time it was it was groundbreaking, right? And then we had Unix, U N I C S, which is a Uniplex Information Computing Service, yeah. and that's sort of they used the Unix philosophy for that. It was basically the the like the the the, the birthplace of the the complete Unix philosophy, you know, which can kind of be summed up as do one thing and do it well. Yeah. There is a, a talk I'd like to link to in the show notes that kind of says why that may not be so true anymore and why it may not be so applicable in the year of 2016. Um, sorry, BSD users, but you know, we'll, we'll 
I'll let you watch the talk and decide for yourself. So then, from there, you had, like, the, the PDPs, uh, primarily, PDP which is 7. where Unix lived. Yeah, and uh, 11 and the 20, too. We really started to see some kind of basic Nixie type things take place, like man pages and, and other sort of things, where, where, like, things we're really familiar with now give, like, come into existence. Well, yeah, in 71, that's when the man page was created. Unix Programmer's Manual was released on... Uh... What three uh, November seventy So then, from there, you you get into like further defining standardization for these sort of multi-user systems, right? And then in seventy three, we saw like this is just groundbreaking. And I know I keep using that word, but it's like the, you keep seeing these like total momentous occasions in the history of computing. In seventy three, we saw the release of version five Unix, and that's. That's, you know, also known as System V5 or System 5 or Sys V5, you know? Yeah. These are where you got to see, like, things like init scripts and, and like, even today, like, a lot of the, the BSD systems use a very System 5-like system. If a system isn't using System D on Linux right now, it's probably using System V or System 5-inspired init systems. So it's a pretty old tech, admittedly, but, I mean... Some people prefer it. I, I, I've grown to like SystemD more, but, I mean, it works good enough, I guess. They actually stopped supporting it right around 74. AT&T stopped supporting it right around 74. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the sixth edition. And keep in mind, these, these sold with the hardware, you know, yeah. kind of like what Windows does and, and Mac OS X does. So you, you when you bought it, a, a license for it, you were also buying the hardware as well, uh, which meant that... So, let's see, 73 System 5, and in 1975, version 6, price tag was 20000 which is equivalent to 2015 to $87,953 for a system. So that's a pretty hefty price tag, which is why mostly you'd see, like, universities well, you and enterprise. You were getting a system that was very capable, you know, multi-users all at the same time, not using mm -hmm. key codes, they were using the terminal... You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it's worth the price tag, I think, in my opinion. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, I I'm well, sure if your institution, whatever it may be, whether it's an academic institution or business <laughs> institution or what have you, I'm sure if they could afford it, it was something that would put a lot of great use into. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we were coming from, we were coming from, like you said, mainframes that took up, you know, whole buildings to all of a sudden. No, no, no. We're, we're still on mainframes at this point. The the System Five was a was a mainframe primarily system, which is why the price tag was so high because you bought the hardware with the you right, know what I mean. It was coming down from a whole a whole room or a whole building to you know a room. Now at this point, it's you know we we've started slowly making these these devices smaller and smaller and more capable. You know. Okay. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. So, anyways. Then you, you had VAX, which was still a terminal system, uh, uh, a mainframe terminal system, and was still fairly large. I mean, we're, we're talking like the modern day equivalent of maybe, I don't know, four or five cabs maybe yeah. for a VAX. Yeah. And you, you got to see like the Univac and ENIAC and things like that. Um, no, I think the ENIAC was earlier. I'm moving on. Um, so you got to see Univac and all, all sorts of stuff like that. But then in the 80s, when, when the Intel 8086 hardware mm. structure came forward, that that was the breaking point. That's when we started moving like from rooms to like individual computers. So at that point, that was that was actually also right around the time that Plan 9 started being developed uh, was 
80s, not 90s, sorry. Yeah. So you got to see a lot of... Microsoft actually released a Unix for 16-bit computers called Xenix. Irix? Oh, Xenix, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, what is Irix? That's something. I thought that was Microsoft. Uh, Irix was a solid. That was their second attempt at doing something good. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. They're Anyways. still on try number three with Windows. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, that was in the 2000s. Looks like Irix was from SGI. Okay, right, 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 yeah. Sorry for the typing. Yeah, that's all right. So, right around, a, a little bit earlier than the 80s, uh, you also saw BSD take form. Which is essentially an attempt at, and and we could probably do like a whole segment on BSD and the history thereof, but we're we're trying to cut it through because we're already, we're already at like thirty six minutes in, so we gotta <laughs> we got a couple more topics too. Suffice to say that BSD started as sort of patch sets onto the Unix system, Version and then sort seven? of and, yeah, yeah, and then sort of morphed into its own thing because the the patch sets were so large they were like you know what let's just fucking create our own kernel and shit like why not and it wasn't always open source fuck it let's just create our own well right it was released as like kind of a quote-unquote freeware sort of a thing where it was basically given on like a by faith practice to mostly academic institutions i mean it was it's the berkeley system david so like of course it was developed at berkeley and all that so yeah so it was it was sort of like Handed around is like an on faith sort of. Here, I have this you can use. Don't yeah, tell anyone yeah. about it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. They were like unsupported third party patch kits, basically. So it, it wasn't really open source, but it, at the same time, it wasn't really proprietary. It was just like a totally underground kind of a thing. Then later, once they made their own sort of thing with, I think, NetBSD was the first complete, complete distribution of BSD. Um, when they made their own kernel and everything, like their own system that was able to be installed and, and run by itself without any other components, that's when it started to open source. Well, you know, this led to the 83 antitrust case where they tried, where AT&T tried to commercialize Unix System V. That's the same year that Stallman started the new project. GNU, yes. GNU. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so look into the, the history of BSD itself because it's, it's fraught with all sorts of interesting backstory. But... It is very tightly, at least in its birth, very tightly involved in the Unix System 5 and Unix System 7 layouts, yeah. I think System 6 kind of was a bomb. I'm not sure. System Anyways, six? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you didn't come across much of that. I don't know. I mean, this is all before my time. I was born until 85, so this is all. Young ass! Yeah, uh-uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> you want to know when I was born? Yeah, we know. You're young and you're like 90, 90, 1990, something like that. What year were you born? 94. 94. <laughs> Jesus. I graduated high school two years after you were born. I'm fucking nine oh years old. Oh my God, than dude. No, not nine <laughs> years older. 11 years. Wait, nope, nine years. And uh, here we have Brent trying to do math again. <laughs> Woo! I was failing. I thought I was bad at that. Holy cow. Yeah, so the, so with the 90s, we saw, like, Novell and SCO doing their own versions Sun of OS? Unix and things like that. Bill Sun Joy OS. Created yeah. Sun, Sun Microsystems? Uh, which then later became Solaris, I believe. Um, I think you're correct. Okay. I think. I'd, I'd have I'm... to check. But yeah, I, I, SCO was, was basically the... They kind of basically took over the AT&T Unix from that point. And you had SCO Unix. And... Then that was when you saw the the Unix the SCO versus GNU law cases, and that's and that's where you saw a lot of the the 
really, I guess, legal sort of strengthening of Linux. You know, because SEO basically said, look, like you've got some of your our code, our proprietary code in your open source shit. Like, we want to be recompensated. And that just went to shit. <laughs> as you can I'm, tell, because SEO Unix. Fucking go. Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> as, as you can tell, like SEO Unix is no longer around, so you can see how well that went for them. Yeah, it went really, but... really well. <laughs> um, but yeah and then from there we got to see a lot a lot more of really just growth in the open source nix based systems um and you you got to see like osx start to adopt components of that like next step and things like that oh yeah 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 sun microsystems released the bulk of its solaris system code so yeah solaris is owned by was owned by sun or mm -hmm. is owned by sun yeah, I think Sun's still the parent company there. Um, at some point there, you also saw the definition of the the POSIX standardization yeah. specification. That was that was groundbreaking because that lets you do things that like sit at one Nix-like system, and be able to operate it as if you were at another Nix-like system and know basically what to expect. There's going to be some small differences here and there, of course, but it was it's really cool that like you still had this open standard. By the way. Even uh, Richard Stallman, as much as we'd love to pick on the guy, um, <laughs> he did do a, a lot for yeah. where Linux is at today with, uh, the, with yeah. the canoe well, using this was system. This was his decade, man. I mean, this is yeah. when he was really able to... This is when it was actually coding instead yeah, of just right. preaching. Yeah. yeah, right. So we saw a lot of really good things come of that, and he was the one that supposedly is actually the one that coined the, the name POSIX. And I think it's actually an acronym, but I, I can't remember for the life of me what it means. Uh, 1988 IEEE, looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, He they were having some consortium on, on it, and he was like, hey, how about this name? And then it was mandated by the United States, my, the United States government for many of its own systems at that time. Mm -hmm. as well, yeah. Too, in 88. Yeah. Yeah, so so we've got this thing. And, and now, now we're at the point where there's probably hundreds of thousands of linux distributions i mean you can probably find a good three thousand on distro watch alone and that's not including in-house distros in-house developed distros you, you can't forget or... north star linux i mean you know criminal the crop, what north star linux you, just can't yeah, you mean red star red star red star yeah red star, yeah yeah that's north north uh, korea's north korea's uh, yeah wait supposed linux distribution i don't think we've gotten any actual confirmation because it's north korea it's really hard to get any kind of tech or or anything like that <laughs> in and out yeah. yeah but supposedly supposedly it's it's out there which is mind-blowing china has its own i believe the late 80s also uh were the period called the unix wars yeah and that's yeah that was the the everybody had their own version of unix and they were all trying to sell to you yeah <laughs> Thank, thanks, thank God that we had AT and T though, because they uh, they really took standardization a step further. Let me tell you, you had a lot of this kind of competition bullshit, and then of course, you know, in in the what was it ninety one? I think was the first public release of the Linux kernel. Really? Are you talking I about Unix so. or Linux? Linux. Linux was ninety four. Was that the first, was the first Linux? time? No, 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 no. Yeah. Linux, like the original Linux, was like ninety or ninety one. Yeah, yeah, it was released for like peer by, review on a mailing list by Torvalds. The, the yeah, no. Hold on, zero. What was the first one? Zero dot zero dot one, right? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, the, the first public release had had like it was like a one dot something, I think. But yeah, just look up the Wikipedia article for Linux and look at the history section. 
Kernel.org. Okay. In order to facilitate development, the files were uploaded to the FTP server of FUNET in September 1991. There you go. That's yep, what I was looking I for. You. you were you were looking I at September 92. Yeah, no, yeah. no, but but I, I originally you said before, were saying all right. the whole time. Anyways. Oh my gosh. Go back and listen to the Raws <laughs> after this. I said 1990 or 1991. And sure as shit, it was 1991. Uh, if you guys would pipe down for 30 seconds at a time, you'd hear me. He, ended, oh, he eventually ended up writing an operating so. system uh, on 25 August 1991, announced the system in a Usenet posting to the news group comp.os.minix. Mm-hmm. Hello, yep. everyone out there using Minix. Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so, so Minix at that point was like, it was a Unix-like, primarily for academic reasons, for like OS developers that were cutting their teeth in school, basically. It was primarily centered around like educational use. Hey, let's, uh, or, you know, if you want to go by his native pronunciation, Linus, uh, he was like, hey, I, um, I'm trying to make this this version of Minix that mm-hmm. sh- that's compatible, but like by myself and i was wondering if you guys could take a look at it and help me uh and let me know what you think and that's how linux was born it was it was originally like a, a minix alternative for schools that didn't want to pay the minix license and look look where we're at now we're yeah. we're it, it's everywhere 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 i mean if linux was was suddenly and it i don't think this is ever going to happen but if it was suddenly deemed uh illegal or something and there was some big sort of hullabaloo about it and all linux systems had to go down like that like we'd we'd lose a substantial part of the of the, the oh, internet services yeah i mean yeah. Uh, i mean a lot of the core internet routers are linux based yeah right so let me ask you a question mm-hmm. what's next i mean do you think that <laughs> i i know it's hard to predict I'm not a the fucking future. future teller yeah i don't know um but i mean do you think that something's going to come along and knock linux out of the game i i don't think so I, Never. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I can so. see. I can see BSD gaining a bit more popularity in the future, but I don't. I don't think anything's gonna like overtake Linux and its its uh, prevalence. Do you I, think that we will see a time when Linux is the majority? It already. Well, I'd say it already is the majority no, no, for no, no, internet right. facing stuff. Yeah, but yeah, for okay, like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, I'm talking about like in general, like consumer PCs. Oh, uh, majority. I, Linux. I don't know about that. Uh, the problem is, and I'm sorry, Root I, or Brent, I don't mean to stop, step over here, but yeah, yeah. the problem is, you know, people are becoming aware of what Microsoft is doing. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft has a thing where they're pre-sold on systems sold at, like, big bucks, mm-hmm. you know, uh, brick-and-mortar stores. For Linux to gain any kind of anything, it can't just be sold online by Dell. It has to be installed and ready to go when you buy it. And of course, there has to be someone to support it. And there has to be mm. X, Y, X. It has to be all this. The problem is that's not in place. Like mm. Windows and Microsoft is already in place and already there. So for us to for Linux to actually take that spot, it needs to actually become pre-installed on stuff sold in store. And I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. Okay. So let me. And there are like some systems, and you know, we do. If you want to count Android, and technically we should, because sure. they're you know technically sure. Linux kernel. Well, um, even even we iPhone have, is BSD based, isn't it? It's I think it's still um, 
Darwin based, but like a stripped down Darwin. Okay. And Darwin so, Darwin has some FreeBSD components in it, but mm-hmm. it, it is not FreeBSD based. Let's let's make that clear. And that's a common mistake, and it drives me nuts every time I see it. it, it just because you have some FreeBSD stuff in it doesn't make it FreeBSD based. So we've already beaten iOS sales with Android tablets and phones. That's true. Uh, proliferation is about 64% for Android-based systems. So that alone is a, a pretty big win. But again, that's because, like you said, it's it's a, it's provided by the vendor. You know, it's provided by the people you bought your phone from or your tablet from or whatever. It's a little bit trickier to do with desktops because by nature they're more complicated and they're more customizable and so on and so forth. Sure. They're different beasts altogether from, from your iPhone or whatever. I will say that, like, it's... It's not impossible, but, you know, we've been seeing, like, tech rags proclaim your X is the year of the Linux desktop. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think that. I've seen that more times than I care to count. I you see know. that every year for, like, five years 10, now. Yeah, yeah. Nine. If, if it were to happen, I would say it's not going to start really happening until, like, another 20 to 60 years. Well, that's 60? 60 years? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Why, why I don't do know. You, I think. Why do you say? 60? I think it's less than that. What? I think it's less than that because I just recently read an article. I'll find it. We can put it in the show notes. So there was actually a study done, and people are starting to not use the internet because they're fearing, you know, being hacked, compromised. But they don't whatever. know about the alternatives. Is my point? Yeah. Because no, Linux, that's true. But Linux doesn't really have an a- advertising platform. No, no, I totally agree yeah, with I mean, that. You don't but see as. But my point is, is as that kind of fear propagates and you see more people thinking about that, they're going to start researching the alternatives on their own. I think that's a natural curiosity that's going to arise no. from the types of compromises and and that type of fear that we see happening no. as a result of those compromises. Yes, yes. No, 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 no. People, Absolutely, yes. No, I would say society in general is more avoidant than curious about alternatives. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I, See, no, but, no, no, no. But the I, thing I, is, I think you have a really unrealistic view of, of people. You have, you have to go so, by the men in black explanation of people. Your average person is calm, rational, and reasoning. People are right. crazy, and they jump at the first thing they can think of. You know, it's it's people aren't gonna go. Well, I don't like Windows. What should I look for next? They're not gonna. They're not gonna do that. They're gonna right. go. I you use know Windows. What? Oh well, I'll keep using it. That's I hope. A better option. I hope that archive.org captures this episode, and in 30 years, when everyone's using Linux, I'll be right. I said 20 to 60, so I'd still be right. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, in 100 to 100,000 years, something bad's going to happen. L- listen, listen. If what? Podcast, that's the kind of, that's the kind of range you just gave us. What sort of? In 100,000 years, I'll be fucking happy, man. Well, the difference Holy is, Jeff, on the first... First of all, the difference is I gave a range. I didn't give a specific amount of years. I gave a range. Range. So did I. Because I it's did. very dependent on a lot of different variables, but I don't That's see it right. happening. I don't see it happening sooner and, than 20 years. I don't and what I just told you, what I just told you is why I think we're going to see it happen. Period. That's it. No. I Look. All right. Let me put it this way. Do you know what sort of market share we have on desktops right now? Linux? I have no idea. About 1%. Probably less than 1%. It it well, it is going up. We were at point oh one percent or point no 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 point one percent I think about uh, two thousand two or two thousand one ish, and now we're at about one percent to two percent. Okay, so it is going up. Do you do you understand what the concept of majority means? Yeah, I understand what a majority is. Okay, 
So you you think we're going to somehow climb about 49% or more, uh, because Windows has like a very large amount. So you think we're going to climb about 49% in yeah, I mean, less than 20 years? I think it is possible. No. I think that... I don't yeah. think it is. I, I really don't think it is. We're allowed to disagree because we're human beings. We live in America. <laughs> America. Well, living in America has nothing to do with yeah. it. That should Thank be a, you, Barack. America. That should Book be yeah. a right afforded to every human being. But, yeah, I, I think that's a... And that's the sort of view that causes the... This is the year of the Linux desktop articles. I well, I've never... Same sort of unrealistic <sighs> viewpoint. Excuse me, I'm yawning because you're boring me with this speak. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but but no, this I is, this is wow, why we give you so much dude. shit, wow. I I understand. Yeah, this is why we give you so much crap. Holy cow, no. man! I understand really? what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, it's a long way to go, yeah. but uh-huh. I think that there are already things in place that are going to make Linux more relevant to consumers. Period. But not in their desktop environments. No, I think I, that they, I think no. it absolutely will. Security and cost at minimum. Which uh, co- all right? Well, first off, all right. Well, don't care you about know security. That's it, proof time. Yeah. Time again. No, that's, that's not true at so, all. No, 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 no. Yes, it is. It is. It's no, totally it isn't. True. Because if that weren't true, Dude. people wouldn't. I just told you it was a slash dot article that linked to an actual source. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I will. I'm gonna link to it okay. for you to All put right. in the show notes. I'll put okay. it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. But let but me just let me just reference for you the 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 customer I had. Their password was literally password, and they all okay. everyone in the, still ba- in the office by the way. had that password as password. Okay. They all and use that, and they all, all know. It. Okay. Okay. I understand what this you're saying, 20, and I'm not saying that... This was 2015 that this Okay, that's right. Well, no, this right, is right, 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 Oh, right, right. but it happened but, back in, yeah. But look at yeah. this, but look at this, but look at this. Okay, yes. right now, look in 2016, we also have, uh-huh. you know, Peyton, uh, you know, your mom, <laughs> how old's your mom, roughly? Is this going to be a, an elaborate <laughs> mom joke? Because I really <laughs> no, hope it is. No, it's not going to be a joke. <laughs> My mom is 60. We'll just call it... We'll just call oh, 60. your mom's older than Linux. No, oh, okay, just kidding. Right. Um... Yeah, fuck you. No, it's not. It's old. not your mom joke. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, my point oh, is, does does your mom have a computer? Yes, she does. Does she care about security? When I tell her to care about it, yes. No, no, no. On her own. No, no. Like she if doesn't. you didn't. No, no, no. no, no. You... I really admit she doesn't. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm willing to bet that if you compare the views of someone who's 60 to somebody who's 25, the person who's 25 is much more aware of the idea of. You know, and, and I being would, scammed, and malware, I would phishing, all those things. In their seventies, it was more concerned about it than someone who's just twenty-five. Age Stay doesn't fun. matter. Age doesn't no, matter. I'm talking this. about. Yes, it no, does. No, it, it absolutely doesn't. does. No, it absolutely yes, it is. Because... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. No, no. Because Jay-thon, older I don't people. Know. No, no, no. Hold on, Jathan. I don't know if you saw this, but there was recently a study done on password strength and age groups. Millennials have weaker password strength yeah. than people who are like sixty and seventy. How do you explain that? He does. I first of all, can't. I haven't seen that study. I'll link it. I'll second of all, I'll put it in the show second notes. Of all, second, second of all, second of all, yeah. A strong password is important. Sure. Yes. I'm not condoning having a shitty password. If sure. you have a shitty password, they're the strong. And someone figures it out. Most, hold on. No, no, no. They're the most prevalent security mechanism we have. If if that if that very basic building block shows a total disregard for security, what do you think their entire viewpoint on security is? Zero. Okay. And and you know I understand a millennial is more likely to be you know 
using a Facebook app on their phone that may have a vulnerability that a 60-year-old's oh. not using. Oh, my but God, But in, <laughs> in general... Oh, uh, Jesus. What? Keep going. We're, we're entering a time where security is becoming an issue. People are losing their information. People are being hacked and compromised every day more and more. Can we agree on that? Yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And so don't you think that, you know, maybe it's not my generation. I'm a millennial. But... Maybe the generation after me, don't you think that they're going to be forced to be more aware of those kinds of things and start to find well, a solution? Well, no. when you have no. Windows 10 saying that you can unlock your computer with your face, I mean, biometrics is not the answer. Anyway, regardless, you know. Okay, people, but, look, 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 people will always choose convenience over security. Sure. Always. Sure. That is it not has been, true. It has been this case in the history of mankind, it's it's yep. always been the case because the general populace just wants things to work. They don't, yep. and, and time and time again, it's proven that the more secure something is, the more complex it is yeah. and the harder it is to use. That's a fact of life and that, we need to come to terms with it. That is absolutely. It's, it's an unbreakable rule. We can't make security that's easy to use and also very strong. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, what is security? It's it's something you know, something you have. Ideally, it's well, it's it's those two together. And a lot of people don't have that. They just have something you know, or something you have, but they don't they don't combine the two. Uh, well, that's I'd say that's two uh, factor. I don't specifically, know. But I honestly sure. just think that as this increases, people are going to start to gain an awareness for it that we just don't have right now. I uh, admire your optimism. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll put it that way. <laughs> I'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think you're correct. Let's 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 move that's on. That's fine. Again, you don't have to agree with me. Yeah. This I, actually transitions pretty nicely into the uh, uh the next topic? The next topic, yeah. Yeah, closed source software. Um, so yeah, related to the the birth of the GNU system, and I guess technically the birth of the Linux kernel too. We have there's there's a, a slash dot article going around. You know, I'll link to it. Whatever. Pretty controversial, and I would recommend not reading the comments. But <laughs> uh, it basically posits that you should not use open source just to use open source, especially in a business setting. You should use whatever the best tool of the job would be, even if it might be closed source. Well, have you have you read the article that Stallman, where Stallman said that I will only use closed source if I absolutely have to, mm-hmm. and I and and he goes on his list about the stuff that he requires to be installed on a computer or not be installed on a computer that he will use. You know, only use that if it's open source and if it's available. And you know, I mean, I mean, using closed source. I, I had a discussion with this about my coworkers actually. Um, Proprietary versus open source. I uh, I know who, exactly who you're talking about. Well, it was more than just him, but okay. yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, granted, like Microsoft Microsoft Outlook is, I would argue, is probably if you're talking about email, calendar, contacts management on a computer, it, uh-huh. there's there's a hard there's hard, it's hard to find a contender. It really is. I mean, honestly. Well, and, okay. and here's here's my stance on that. So, sure. first of all, I'd say it's definitely the case if you're using Exchange. Sure, right. Um, you're using Exchange, which yeah. shame on you in the first place. Well, yeah, I, I well, no, 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 no. But, Exchange has, a, in my opinion, a lot of issues. It's it's really not. Yeah, that's what I mean. Shame on you for using Exchange. Well, it's it's yeah, it's it's not as stable as it could be by any means. Um, you know, there's there's a common joke among Exchange admins that like, how many times did you have to reboot Yearbox today? Um, <laughs> so, 
I would say Alec only has a benefit there, and that's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say there's there's it's really important to keep in mind that like I see Alec as sort of a vendor lock in problem. Another thing is this, yeah, the Unix philosophy was great for what it did. But now mm-hmm. I think we're at the point where we have to abandon the Unix philosophy. We're at the point now where we have to compete with these other, uh, don't do one thing and do it well, do a lot of things and do them well. That Well, there's a couple of ways to tie that together, though. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, a graphical program, that's one thing. No, I, I'd say it's a pretty guiding force in all of the open source world. There's still a, a giant... Mm-hmm. Core utils are always going to be core utils. Well, right, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying there, and that's that's sort of my point is is that why I think the Unix philosophy is is never really was never really followed all that closely in the first place that people think it was, but but Linux is is a clear indicator. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, right. Let's just forget that you even said that. We, I, I, funny story. Um, when Forge, hey Forge, how you doing? I don't know when he'll catch up to this episode, but. When Forge mentioned listening to Season Zero, Episode 3 today in IRC, I went back and listened to it, and we talked a lot about Emacs then. So go ahead and and check our our past episodes and listen to that as well for an interesting talk about Emacs. Yeah, yeah. So the the Unix philosophy, quote-unquote, wasn't always followed and not all that well. That aside, I think we need to actively embrace... A different viewpoint, a different All philosophy. Right. We're sure. sort of getting away from the article here, though. No, 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 no. I, I see it. I see it as relevant because, and here's why: yeah, if confusing. if we aim to holistic approach in our our programming and and our software that's offered, that's going to compete directly with with the commercial alternatives, right? So if we have an open source groupware system, instead of trying to hack it all together ourselves with LDAP plus Postfix plus jabber plus you know if we if we keep trying to do this it's a lot of overhead on our hands and there still isn't really a client that handles all that together you know and that's what outlook and exchange have and this is purely outlook and exchange as an example right right Right. so that that was the whole basis of my argument was that outlook as these three things come together calendar contacts email is mm -hmm. fantastic is there an open source software that's comparable uh, not really. I mean, mm. you could do you could do good things with Thunderbird. You can do good things with Evolution, but really, you're not going to get the same thing. Now, bear in mind that's just Exchange. Now, if you're just mm. you're talking about IMAP, then yeah, I mean, there's tons of different options out there available to you, including mm. MUT. You know, and that's why I think open standards and and open specifications are so important. Are Absolutely. so okay. important. Absolutely. Yep. So. So I want to get back to a few points that are brought up just in this mm-hmm. this summary. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing is, is that, first of all, the person that made this claim that basically the title is Linux Advocate Suggests Using More Closed Source Software. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jack Wallen, who's a writer for Linux.com and Tech Republic, he's the one that is making this sort of claim. I personally don't really subscribe to either of those websites, so I have no comment on his previous reporting, writing style, anything. No, nothing. But there's a few things he says that I think are really interesting. One thing is that he predicts that both Windows and OS X will be open source within five years. I, look, I, I can see that. Well, I can see it as a realistic prediction. I think the time frame might be off. We I, do see that both of them are releasing updates for free now, and with Microsoft Windows sort of is, going back on that. And which, win, well, Windows is also kind of starting to cozy up with the open source community. But keep in yes. mind, like I, I, 
<laughs> which I respect. Yeah, it feels underhanded it's, to me. I feel like there's it, something yeah. going on underneath the surface there. But I agree um, with that. I, I mean, yeah, like I I can definitely agree that we see can see in I would say maybe 15 years more than five years, honestly. But I can so that's I can I can definitely see us coming to the end of the idea of licensed closed source operating systems. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. so that's one thing that he brings up that I think is interesting. There's a few other things. So one thing then says, he argues that smaller software companies still see closed source code as a profit center. Mm-hmm. So basically what he's saying is, you know, by using open source alternatives, you could be edging out a small company that actually is doing a great thing. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a so, reply to the, well, to the article. There's a reply to the article on Slashdot. And he says, for closed source software to be the best tool... At least one of the following, mm-hmm. and he and he gives a list of three, and sometimes responds with four. I mean, some of the things that he responds with are actually things that I agree with. You know, yeah, I that... I think he's coming from a good philosophy, but sure. And, and look, I I think if we see more proprietary and closed source systems open up to the idea of running on open platforms, like Steam. Steam is a fantastic example. They. Steam is awesome. Yeah, they took the time, <laughs> and they are closed source and they're proprietary. And I will admit, I do but use Steam... I, I do use it. They are, you know, a DRM system. They're a close a, a proprietary code base, but it runs on right. Linux natively. Yeah. And when they did that, they opened up so many options, so and they're many. seeing it in revenue. So many. Okay. Yeah. And so I agree with that. But what what bugs me about this a little bit, and some of these points I've sort of agreed with not really that much right. uh, some of them not so much but he does say which you just talked about basically that using more closed source applications in open source environments will more will be made available but you know at that point it's like well everyone's using this open source kernel this open source operating system mm. but everything they run on it is paid for at that point why are you still using the open source operating system itself other than maybe for a security purpose you know because not every company would require the same third third party software but they would all yeah. require the same platform but i mean is that something that you personally really want to see do you want to see more closed source applications being available for linux <clears throat> i if they're existing closed source applications sure i'm all about it I, I, let, I mean, let your shit run natively on linux i'd, I, I'd be thrilled yeah. with that yeah, i'm I, not it just feels that. it feels weird and clunky and kind of not right to me like it feels. Yeah, I mean, imagine, because, imagine well, booting why. up because the majority of the stuff we interact with is open source. Well, for in, example, in an open source system. For example, exactly. But that's so weird. Imagine logging into like your Arch desktop and launching Microsoft Outlook. That would be awesome. I would be able. I would love to be able to do that. You would use that. Well, related related to the for work purposes. Yes, I would. Okay, so related to what we were talking about before yeah. with adoption, mm-hmm. right? Is that where you're going to go? Yeah, on the desktop. Yeah. Okay, so do you think that would bring more people to Linux? Oh, absolutely. 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 I I use I use but closed do you source. Think... I use I use closed source software every day. I have Skype installed on my desktop. I use it right. every day. Right. Okay. You but know. but then you look at something like we talk about security so often. And the only way to truly audit something is to have it open source so everyone knows what's really going on. That's So so isn't okay. that kind of ruining what we love about Linux in a sense? It's I would say it's ruining one aspect of it, sure. But Okay, if you so have, at least we can agree on that. Right, but if you have the, the basic platform where most of the vulnerabilities are going to be, if you have that open, 
Yeah. I'd say it's much less risk than than running an entirely closed source yeah. system. I, I mean, I could stop Skype at any time, and it won't start up again until I want it to, or on reboot, whatever, because I've s- selected that option to be able to do that. But and, I still and have we can, control and, over that. that and program. we can examine the the kernel and and sure. use other open source exactly. tools to determine if Skype is inserting a backdoor, for instance. But yeah, so okay. we don't necessarily but, need access to Skype's source code to know right. if it's doing something nasty. Correct. But and also, yeah. I also use like Hangouts, or mm-hmm. I'll use an open source version of Skype. If I if I feel like it, I have options, and I feel like that is the key. Mm, if you have an options. option between a close cho- close source and an open source, and you want to use the open source versus the closed source, great, that's fine. Other people can't connect to you. Hey, that's your problem. You need to fix that. And let's not forget, like the entire reason open source was born was because hackers. In, in the traditional sense of the word, needed yeah. a way actual, to to modify word. the code and add <laughs> functionality and get it working in their own environments for their own purposes, and they right. weren't able to do that with systems where where they didn't have that option, basically. So I, I I might not want to see it so much on the consumer end, but on the business end, sure, why not? Let's go for it. We need to move. Yeah, on, I though. mean, I mean, business I, I wise, know. business wise, it just... I would love to see our like outlook on on Linux desktop. I would love to see, and like obviously, you can use you can get. When uh, Office twenty ten working, when wine, but right, right, I, 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 all know. right, but but how about this scenario? Okay, Brent is using a new application, or Brent's using Audacity, and it's lacking mm-hmm. a feature that some some proprietary audio editing software has. So since he can't run his proprietary software on Linux, that inspires him to become involved in the community for Audacity and contribute back. Whereas you know in the sort of model that we're talking about, he could actually use the software he wants, which is great, but do you think we're going to see people move away from actually contributing to open source projects because no. they don't find the need to make them better? I don't think so. No, I, uh, don't, because, I don't think so. Because one of the biggest draws about open source communities now is the ability to to introduce changes that you want to see yep. and in a much faster rate than if you would have to request make a feature request at a well, commercial. Well, talking, talking about that, uh, my coworker has has uh, been all, uh, some kid in his basement is writing a C program. And it's just like, no, 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 no. It's, it's you know, it's it's community-driven. It's He pushes the update, and people say yay or nay. I mean, it's, you know, it's not just some guy that's saying, oh, this will work for you. Here you go. It's, you know, it's some guy, and then he pushes it out, and you look at it, and you say, well, I don't think that'll work for me. Let's do this. We gotta, we gotta make this really quick because we still gotta get to the baddies too. Jathan posted in the scratch pad, and this is this is literal, by the way. Why the fuck is the default CentOS seven FS XFS? Is it making yeah, a comeback? Why? Is it better than EXT four? I'd say that's largely preferential and largely opinion. Sure. I prefer EXT four because I like journaling and and the well. Well, XFS okay, has, here's the thing. No, no, XFS has, has journaling. journaling. I know, I know, I know. It, I don't think it always did though. No, it did. I don't think it did. Okay, so so, so no, 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 they they have. Well, well, hold on, they have their own strengths and weaknesses. So mm-hmm. EXT four is fantastic for an all around general purpose file system. XFS. Yeah is, I would say, much better for file systems, and this has pretty much always been the case, for smaller files. See, I've read just the opposite in one of the links that we have. Really? And and it actually says really? that XFS is better now for larger files. Compared to EXT3 or EXT4? Yeah. EXT4. 
four. Hold on, I'm gonna find uh, it. Okay, here we go. Really? Unfortunately, I've never real hard data to back this up. Okay, so that's one thing. Okay. But XFS has always been considered a superior file system to EXT3. I'm not sure if EXT4 addressed its issues in this category with regards to really large files. Well, okay. It does support file sizes of X, 8X Bibby Bytes. Exabytes. No, 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 no. Yeah, Bibby Bytes. Bibby Bytes. Okay, and whatever. Nobody has a fucking file that big anyway. Uh, 16 terabytes. Oh, terabytes, yeah. So that's less than... Okay, uh, in XFS. almost... Well, that's, that's files, yeah. Uh, XFS... That's a file system size. No, 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 no. You're, you're no, no. reading backwards. So XFS supports a file system size for X... 8x bibbytes. ext4 uh-huh. supports a file system size of up to 1x bibbyte. Right. So it's, that's it's, what I said. Yeah, you, no, you, you were talking about the file no, size really. with the six, 16 file tebibytes. system size. That's what it says. File system size. Right, but you were talking about the tebbytes. That's for files. Maximum file system size of 8x bibbytes for XFS. Mm-hmm. And ext4 is 1x bibbyte for the file X system. Bibbyte. Right. For a file, EXF, EX, uh, XFS can do. <laughs> oh my gosh, XFS can do Ooh. one file that takes up the entire size of the file system, sixteen right. terabytes. So sixteen. But EXT four cannot. Right. right. That is six. Well, that's also sixteen terabytes for one file under EXT four. So they're right. they're equal there. Okay, so I don't know anybody who has an exabyte, at least uh, one exabyte system. <clears throat> I would love to see ButterFS, by the way, just overtake everything because I think it's at the point where it's stable. One now, of but the things whatever. that I one of the things that I've seen in XFS is that it cannot be resized smaller. Mm. It, so it's I, harder to resize. Yeah. It's a little bit harder to work with after you've already have like an established system. Right. Mm. But there's some really nice features of it, like, you know, uh, XFS freeze, where you can basically freeze a file system so that you can create a snapshot and then unfreeze it mm-hmm. so that your snapshot can't be, you know, interrupted, basically, well, your you snapshotting have to, process. Well, you have to note that it does not support, it does not directly support snapshots. It's it's using the, the volume manager for that. So, right, the XFS freeze is good, but it doesn't actually directly support that versus... EXT what do you mean it doesn't actually directly support That's what it says that. right here. It does not direct provide direct support for snapshots. Where are you reading this? Yeah, it's not like ZFS. Like you can you can take a yeah, snapshot no, no. and it would guarantee like you'd get like a, a copy of the file system that would not be in a limbo sort of state, but right. so so in either case, what I'd really like to get out of this, you know, this little discussion here is one, why do we speculate that Red Hat changed the default? And two what is an actual use case where you might want to use one or the other? And how do we make this decision moving forward? You know, if you're standing up a CentOS 7 box tomorrow, should you stick with XFS because it's the default? Or do you go to EXT4 because all your other systems are running CentOS 6? What I would, is... I would say, what are you running on that server? Yeah. What's the purpose of the well, server? Yeah. Let's assume it's a LAMP stack. A LAMP okay. stack? Um... I would say XFS is okay for that. Do you think it's going to disadvantage people in the long run? Because it's, I mean, it's honestly kind of a, if you just click through the installer, you're not paying attention. Like, oh, I'm standing yeah, in the VM. You're going to end up with day. XFS. You're going to miss it. Yeah. Um, and by uh, the way, I mean, SUSE uses, I think it's SUSE, uses ButterFS by default too. Um, so that's cool. But this isn't about ButterFS. Uh, or Riser. No, no. They use no. ButterFS now. I, I'm pretty sure they used to use They Riser. used to use Riser. I've run into I've I've run the riser for like a Wait, Brent, most Brent, recent. Brent, are you running? I are you running butter? No, I'm not. 
I haven't got. But I you can do it through the CentOS Seven installer now. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. You can. You have a lot of options. No, the the default SUSE install for mm-hmm. most recent version uses ButterFS yeah. for root. Right. But that's neither here nor there. What I'm getting at though is is we are starting to see a point now where most file systems it's largely preferential unless you have a specific reason to use one or the other. Like you need the size capacity of file yeah. system for for XFS, and I don't know anybody who's running X more than. Not even one exabyte, not even a petabyte on one <laughs> file system. Even the guy that we know that runs, you know, has a huge file system. He's only at forty terabytes right now. So yeah, yeah, it's I, I immensely know. hard. And and you know, I'm not going to yeah. say like it'll never happen because like back in the '90s, we're like, oh, 512 megabytes. I'm never going to fill this up. But yeah, so, ah! so as as time goes on and files get larger and larger and and speeds get faster and so on and so forth. But like at this point in time, I'd say it's just preference. Like, use whatever file system you want. I, I like ext4 because I'm familiar with the ext-based tools. I'm familiar with, with the file system internals. I know how they work. You know, the, the extents file system is, is just really familiar to me. So that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to use for the most part. Yeah, and I mean, personally, I just stood up a bunch of CentOS 7 machines and mm-hmm. I used ext4. Yeah, yeah, but... Uh, for the same reason, I mean, but I don't it, want... I, I would say at s- the end of the day, like, even if you have a specific reason to go with one file system or the other, you still got a good backup system in place, right? You should be. Yeah, I would I mean, hope you do. I mean, the whole point is that, so. I mean, ext4 and XFS both actually support a lot of the same things. Uh, ext4 offers a, uh, a freeze... According to the article mm. here, there's pros and cons to each, and depending on sure. your preferences and and the purpose. And, and I hate to it, this sounds like a cop out, but it really is true. It it really is largely based on preference. Yeah. So I'd agree with that. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have. I don't really go one way or the other. I just have my personal preference, and that's it. Yeah. All right. Fair. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was worth talking about. Yeah, for sure. It is something oh, to yeah. definitely be aware of if you're expecting ext4 end up getting xfs on a default install of centos. Yeah, that could be a bad um, day, depending. <laughs> Dep- yeah, depending. And you know what? There, I will say that there are a lot more data recovery options for ext-based systems these days. Yeah, so I, I like having that also that security of knowing I can go in with a file carver and, and do a lot better data recovery job with ext4 if I really need to. It's neither here nor there because ideally you should have a backup system in place anyways. And, and data carving is a long and arduous process. Uh, so you kind of want to avoid it if possible anyways. But yeah. moving on. Yeah, so that's that's there. Just be aware that that's in place and look for it. And if you don't want that to happen, you, you do need to make the custom change or... Make the change in your Kickstart, Kickstart file. The last topic before the baddies. Sorry, Aaron. So the proc file system and, by extension, the SysFS file system. Uh, the ProcFS is mostly obsolete, I would say, these days, but it's still presented as sort of like a add-on layer to SysFS, sort of, from what I understand. Well, I'd hesitate to say it's obsolete. I mean, you could not use your system without it. ProcFS is marked in the kernel. Recent well, the first thing that we should we should specify about it is not actually a file system, even though we're calling it ProcFS. It's it's a it, virtual it, file it, system. It, it, it is it's a, a virtual, virtual file system, system, but it has to exist on the machine at this point in time. Right. No. Well, if you run an L, if you run an LS mod, it's the same as running a cat proc modules. So, but there's also or an LSPCI is there should also be a, a sys a sys option for that i'm, I'm pretty sure that sure. like ls modern stuff uses the the sys interface now the sysfs so the the proc fs is there mostly just to not break scripts i would say yeah so, at this point but I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive you can run like a system d system without proc entirely 
So that's interesting. I, I mean, I've not seen that, but yeah, I, I haven't experimented I'd with it. But it's it's that. it's a, a gut instinct I have. Uh, if anyone's out there want to want to try it in like a VM or something, let us know. See if you can force ProcFS to not mount at boot and see how that goes for you. Preferably with a recent system like Arch or Gentoo or something. Gut instinct says that it's not necessary at all, and it's it's more of a human interface at this point than anything. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, uh, so, you know, regardless of whether or not it has to exist, let's talk about what it does and what its purpose is. Or what it was. Whoa, whoa. Because it, now, it because your... now, like, syscontrol, for instance, syscontrol yeah. flags, par- parameters, rather, that uses sysfs. So it's no longer really that, it doesn't really serve that purpose anymore. Well, it's still good to know about the functionality, because the functionality is still there, it's just... I would say I mostly just use it for examining processes. So do I. Yeah. Um, so you can or, go like, or, you know, so you can go to like right. slash proc slash PID number slash status. Sure, yeah, and you can get all sorts of interesting information about various processes running on the system in like a more or less human readable shell parsable content. Yeah, yeah, and it's information you could get in other ways mm-hmm. using you know PS and stuff like that. But it's in one place. It's one file, really. I, I mean, right. That contains all the information you might otherwise compile from other sources, Mm -hmm. so to say. And so, you know, if you're really trying to dig into something, it's a good way to dig into it quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, it's I would say it's got limited use these days, especially with like the the growth that other tools have had, like the the recent versions of top, like in system D up like system D systems, for instance, their, their top is awesome. It's way better. So. There's there's been a lot of work done in recent utilities and and other stuff that we're used to that largely obsoletes the necessity of it. It's still great to have it because it's it's very friendly towards like shell scripting. It yeah, definitely it has some benefits. I would say it's not absolutely necessary. So let's uh, let's go ahead and move to move proc out of our file systems. <laughs> Yeah. The next kernel update. Yeah, someone give it a shot and, and let us know how that goes. You may even need to compile the kernel without procfs support to do that, but I'm not sure. It's RMRF's uh, proc. No, no, no. Proc. You, you want to make yeah. you, you want you got to do it at the time really? of the switch route. I just did it. Still going, man. Well, wait, really? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Jeva, I double dare you on the last day of your work. At BioFrontiers, no, uh, already in on all the production systems, rm rf like, slash proc. That's like, that's like required when a tech leaves somewhere, he has to fuck something up. No, no I don't think he does. It's not on. required, but I okay. really I, want to see you do that. And you would be able to let us know. You'd be, Jathan, I do. Jathan, you'd be doing it for science. <laughs> science, man, science. There, There is something I really want to Are make. Are you a, a scientist or not? I really want to make a script and put it in like a coworker's home directory and then do run it. it from his bash RC that continually just keeps do launching it. like or keeps running like SL or do it. or but it would have to do it in his well, or yeah, whatever. whatever. Let's let's move on. We gotta get to the baddies. Okay. We're we're so, we're running hot. This this baddie <laughs> comes from uh Reddit Reddit slash R slash sysadmin. And uh, we have a user submitted baddie. Basically, they were owning their own mistake. Which props is to you, super respectable. Yeah. Pr- props to you, XOXO Rockout Cloud One Two Three. Also, your name makes you seem like you're using AIM in 1995. So, uh, headline today: I almost fucked up by resetting an AP and bringing down the whole building's network. So I'm gonna just read this more or less verbatim. Twas the first day as a new intern in IT for the media group on campus. 
I have a pretty good amount of networking experience working with switches, APs, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I was tasking... Oh, I was tasked with finding a Ubiquiti AP and resetting it to factory. Parentheses. They forgot the password while my supervisor went out to grab some food for us. And this wow, is why password nice... management is important, but keep going. Yes, that's one thing. Nice supervisor, by the way. After searching the whole floor of the building with a Wi-Fi scanning app on my phone, I finally found the access point. And I finally found the AP, and I stuck a paperclip into the reset port for 10 seconds. Hard resetting the access point. I'm pretty sure that's not only going to reset the password. And then shit hit the fan. No kidding. I went back to my desk to adopt the AP, and oh, look, it's not there. From around the corner, I hear the file server down for anyone else? Is anyone else having issues with Reddit? Oh, wait, never mind. Issues with the entire internet? On Ubiquity's control panel, our, other f or our four other APs oh, started no. disappearing one by one. <laughs> oh, shit. Did I bring down our entire wired network by resetting an access point? There goes my job. <laughs> Suddenly gets 10 or so people in our production groups forming my lonely desk complaining they need the file server online and they can't watch cat videos on YouTube. Look around. Supervisor not back. I told everyone that I was going to fix it and that everyone should remain calm. I grab the keys to the switch room and decide to go cry in there because it's isolated and no one will look for me. Enter the switch room and all the switches have hit the fan. Fault lights on multiple switches, UPS is blaring their alarms, supervisor comes back with food, drops jaw, and drinks. <laughs> Turns out the lights flickering started right as I was resetting the AP due, a, due to a power surge. The UPSs in the switch room haven't had their battery replaced in 10 years, so they did absolutely nothing to protect the switches that run the entire building's networking. Supervisor explained everything to his boss, I did not lose my job. I now understand why sysadmin gets abbreviated to sadmin. <laughs> so so it's, um, it's got a happy XO ending because it wasn't actually his fault. Teaches a valuable lesson. One thing, if you're going to press the reset button, understand what the fuck the reset button well, does. Well, no, no, yeah. no. It's, it's ubiquity. No, that no, is no, a no, valuable no, no, no. lesson. Well, he does. He does. It's an ubiquity AP. It should have popped right back up as an right. unknown I get device. that. Have right. you used Ubiquity APs before? I have. Yeah. I haven't personally, but I understand the concept. I know what it should have done, but it's still worth noting. Like, right. Oh, okay. well, I, All right. Yeah. In, in any case, on any device, period. The other thing is, is make sure when something goes wrong, you actually determine why it's going wrong and don't immediately assume you fucked up. <laughs> right. Um, or if you're Jathan, you can assume you fucked up. <laughs> right because you know i ruin everything obviously you destroy everything you touch no 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 but that's that's that is a good point though that like yeah sometimes you are a victim of circumstance and it, you can go about trying to fix one issue i've had this happen more than once where yeah, I've, i think we've all been there where i've pushed out a change and then suddenly like a like an entire country and our service goes dark and it turns out it's just a routing issue, like a backbone routing issue. At the same time, like I'm like, it, the, the timing is just like, it freaks you out. Because as sysadmins, we're taught to believe there's no such thing as circumstance. And that's yeah. normally a good approach. Yeah. But sometimes there is such a thing as circumstance. I have I, a story about that too when you're done. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to wrap this up real quick. And then third point I want to make is make sure your UPS has a good backup, maybe. Uh, yeah. Just. Yeah. Maybe replace the batteries more often than 10 years. But Yeah, yeah and really, um, I don't know, but you guys, Brent at least doesn't have a physical DC. Mm -hmm. Peyton, do you? Physical? Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah. Okay, so uh, our UPS sends us alerts like, oh, I think the battery's bad. You should probably check it. and then Yeah, maybe not ignore those. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's generally not uh, a good thing. We we definitely have nag- Nagios. I, I, mm. Nagios. Yeah. I, I call it Nagios. That's more apt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it nags the hell out of me. Um, but yeah, we've got uh, that. But my previous job at Cordile, I went over to the water machine and I, I filled up water in my water bottle. Mm-hmm. And then I put a, a, a cup under the tea, the Keurig, to make some tea. Oh, this and is I the hit famous the, I hit story. the button. Yeah. I hit the button to make the tea and the power went out. <laughs> and ever since then, no matter what happens, I shut the power off because I made tea. And now it was a coincidence. It was pure coincidence. Unless it was but a I, really bad breaker, but I doubt that was, that was the really, case. Yeah, it had to have been a really terrible breaker if that was if that was true. Yeah. And ever since then, it's been, hey, did you shut the power off at your new job? No, not yet. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye out. No, 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 no. no. You know. So yeah, so that just happened. You know, it was like, what the hell? You know. Yeah. And related to Jathan's earlier point, not only make sure you don't ignore alerts, make sure you test them and make sure they get delivered properly. Yeah. To your alert yeah. system, whether it be email or, or Nagios or Nagios or whatever. Um, make sure they get through. <laughs> like, before you put something into production, test it and give it a false fail and make sure it, it sends an alert. Because that's super important. Not only that, but make sure that when an alert is sent, it's actually, you know, for good reason. Make sure your thresholds are set right. 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 Make sure there's no way to falsely trigger an alert so that people start freaking out for nothing. Yeah, I, I think I think because then you run into a... uh, you know falsely alerts on a lot of th- a lot of different things. Yeah, obviously. well, it, it's, yeah, it's important because like the more the more minor severity alerts you get, the more likely you are to ignore major severity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so it, you want to avoid that as possible. You want to like. You want to try and, and tweak your monitoring and your alerting as much as possible and make it as smart as possible so you don't get these sort of false flags, I guess. Absolutely. Hands down, agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. I agree with that. I think it's time we close this out because this it's is a wrap. This has been long. Okay. All right. This has been System Minutes Trivia. I'm Brent. I am Jathan. I'm Peyton. See you around. The latest rage for kids is driving parents and entire neighborhoods crazy. 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 The whistle's got woo! The whistle's got woo! <laughs>